Are you working? What kind of work do you do? You're listening to The Edge with Aaron Karolnik. Giving you the expert advantage in the world of gambling and fantasy. All right, here we go on this Tuesday night on the edge. And what a night we have in store in the sports world and the reality TV world. Of course, Bachelorette Episode 2 goes tonight. I apologize to all those who are listening who are thinking, what the hell is this guy talking about? Who cares about The Bachelorette? This is a gambling and fantasy show. You're absolutely correct. Stick to the script, Aaron. Come on. We have Game 1 of the World Series. It's Glasnow versus Kershaw, Clayton Kershaw, a 5.4 ERA in his career in the World Series. You imagine he's going to be able to bring that down. This guy's had so much success throughout his career, a surefire Hall of Famer, but for whatever reason just struggles, struggles. In the playoffs, especially the World Series, can't wait to see how that works out. First pitch just after 8 p.m. But tonight, we discuss extensively week six of the National Football League and what a week it was. And we'll get into Tua Tagovailoa taking over as the starting quarterback for the Miami Dolphins when Davis Sanchez joins us for his weekly segment in about 10 minutes' time. Evan Silva, the legend from EstablishTheRun.com. You know him from Roto World. So many years contributing amazing fantasy football content. He's going to make his debut in the show about half an hour. But let's welcome in the man, the myth, the legend. You know him from Overdrive, number one in your hearts. It is Al's brother. Good evening, Al's brother. What's up, my friend? Feeling good. I am feeling so ready to just run through a brick wall after listening to that uh, that interview with Nick Swisher earlier on Overdrive. <laughs> it was just unreal. That guy has so much energy. It's actually unbelievable. Yeah, I've, I've been trying to match the Nick Swisher energy level through my little show intro here. I think I'm doing a decent job, maybe 20% of the energy that Nick Swisher brought to the table. I'll give you He's 30. pumped for the World 30%. He's pumped for the World Series. I can't blame him. We'll get to that a little bit later, but let's get into last night's action in the National Football League. And I think there were a lot of people who were eyeing Dallas hosting the Arizona Cardinals and were thinking, Andy Dalton, the drop-off from Dak to Dalton isn't that steep. Dallas's defense can't possibly be as bad as they've been all year. And the turnover situation has to rectify itself, and everything has to has to be better for the Dallas Cowboys. And in fact, things got a lot worse. They lost 38-10. to and today we saw from the NFL Network's Jane Slater, who is plugged in to the Dallas Cowboys and that organization. She says that Cowboys players have begun criticizing, forcefully criticizing the coaching staff after originally agreeing to keep things internal. Dallas at Washington in Week 7, Al's brother. That line opened as Dallas minus 3 has been bet to Dallas minus 1 amidst all this Michigas, as my grandmother would say with the Cowboys. What do you make of the Cowboys, and what do you make of their chances in the NFC East going forward? AK, I've seen a bet all the way down to basically a pick them on some sites, and and I, honestly, this AFC or this NFC is just going to be a not even a good dog fight. It's going to be terrible going forward. There's not much there. Like you, you, you think the Cowboys? How could they possibly be this bad? They have amazing players, but the injury bug has hit them hard, right? So last night, you take a look, Zeke Elliott, he needs to hang on to the football. Two fumbles, that was extremely uncharacteristic of him. He's got to get it going. And you talked about, there shouldn't be that big of a, a, 
a downgrade from Dak to Andy Dalton. But the biggest issue that I think a lot of people aren't really remembering is the fact that that O-line in Dallas, that vaunted O-line that people kind of in their head thinks to be among the top of the league, isn't there anymore. There are so many injuries to that offensive line that it's pretty much just as bad as it was when Andy Dalton was with the Bengals. We saw how poor he played when he doesn't have protection. So I think we saw that happen last night. He was pressured eight times, knocked down or knocked down eight times, sacked four times. And if Andy Dalton doesn't have time in the pocket, he's not going to produce much on offense. Al's brother, I think it's time to mark my words. It's time to win. Grab a pen, a pad, and mark my words. Al's brother, the NFC East is finally going to win some games this week. And that's because they all play each other. (laughs) It's the Giants and the Eagles on Thursday night. As I mentioned before, it's the Cowboys and the Washington football team on Sunday. There are six teams in the NFL this year with as many wins as the NFC East combined. The division is 5-18-1, the second worst by any division through Week 6 since 1970. Dallas, it's almost fitting that they're in first with the 2-4 and four record. They are the only division leader with a losing record through Week 6 since 1970. So we look ahead to Thursday night. It is the Giants. At the Eagles, that line has moved significantly considering the injury troubles from Philly. A number of players banged up. We know that Miles Sanders, their star running back, will not play. We know that Zach Ertz, their star tight end, won't play. And we know Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson have been out for a while. So many off injuries, both offensively and defensively. We'll get into the fantasy ramifications with Evan Silva uh, when he joins us in about 25 minutes. But what do you see in this game? Because I have no idea what to think about the Eagles at this point. Me either. Like, if they weren't so injury-ravished, they probably are the class of the division based on what we kind of know about the Cowboys right now. But there's just no consistency from this team or any team from the division, for that matter. But, like, I I can't see New York winning much games this year, even if the Eagles are playing poorly and they are banged up. You saw what they're able to do in their comeback against the Ravens in the second half of last week's game. So they have the talent. and And a guy like Carson Wentz, if he's on that day, which it doesn't seem like he has been very much, this season, you know, he can kind of will this team. Travis Fulgham has kind of come out of nowhere and has provided uh, some some offense in the passing game. Zach Ertz is, go- is going down, and that's kind of going to be a, a question mark going forward is can they get production from the tight end position? But at the end of the day, I, I just can't see the-, the Giants really putting up much of a fight. So I-, I think the Eagles, despite all the injuries that they've had, probably come away with the win in this game. Let's move to the AFC East, a division which got a lot more interesting in the last 24 hours. A quarterback change in Miami, which we'll get to in a second, but looking back on the Bills last night, just a weird, ugly, sloppy game all around, and undoubtedly the weather conditions had a lot to do with it. It was pouring rain in Buffalo all night long, and the KC Chiefs were able to scrape by with a nine-point victory in Buffalo. Patrick Mahomes, pretty good. They relied mostly on the running game, a record for an Andy Reid-coached team as far as rushing attempts. I think a lot of that had to do with the game script and the weather. But the Bills, that's two straight subpar performances. Yes, I know they played Tennessee, and they played probably the class of the AFC and the Kansas City Chiefs last night. But are you at all worried about the Bills and their place at the top of the AFC East? 
I'm not panicking just yet, uh, but for whatever reason, the defense is struggling. They let Clyde run all over them yesterday for 160 yards, and they just had no answer. Uh, also last week, also no answer against the running attack of uh, Derrick Henry with the Titans, but that's understandable. He just most over everybody. But they really had a tough time setting the edge as well, which really allowed Mahomes to get out of the pocket easily and extend plays. And again, a KC has a great offense, and they're expected to win that game. But there are some serious issues with this Buffalo defense that needs to get fixed in order for them to be contenders in the AFC. When it comes to the division, I still believe that they are at the top of the class right now, but they really do need to kind of do something with that defense because there are some teams that are just going to keep running it up the gut, put it right in their face, and uh, if they can't get to the quarterback, which they haven't been able to do over the last couple of games, that's going to be some trouble as well. He is Al's brother. I am Aaron Korolnik. You're listening to The Edge here on TSN 1050. And Al's brother, if you're looking for a remedy for the Buffalo Bills, you're a little bit concerned about their prognosis going forward. The remedy? The New York Jets, who they get this week. They are 13-point favorites on the road against the Jets. Is that enough points to take the the, the Jets? I don't know if there is a number I would feel comfortable with uh, with the Jets at this point. We'll get into that with Davis Sanchez, the wise guy, when he joins us. Coming up next on The Edge. Word to the wise. It's time to check in with Davis Sanchez, the wise guy. Half, half man, half amazing. On The Edge with Aaron Karolnik. Back here on The Edge, live on TSN 1050 and streaming online, tsn1050.ca. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to The Edge on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, everywhere you can find your podcasts, because there's only one place you can get the expert analysis of our next guest. He is Davis Sanchez, the lead analyst for TSN Edge and a close personal friend of both myself and Al's brother. What is up, Davis? How are you? They're going to take away my blue check mark on uh, social media. You guys keep, keep uh, declaring that we're buddies like that. All right, that's very hurtful, Davis. I don't no, really, I don't really know what to say. Kid, I'm just kidding, Mama. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. All right, Davis. We've spent many times together in the FRC suite during Grey Cup, so uh, I won't, uh, I won't elaborate on that. But I want you to elaborate on the reasoning for the Miami Dolphins removing. Fitzmagic, Ryan Fitzpatrick from their starting quarterback position. The Dolphins are 3-3. Three and three. They're in the mix in the AFC East. They've won two consecutive games by a combined score of 67-17, to 17, and yet uh-huh. they're pulling the plug on Fitzmagic. Explain this to me. Uh-huh. So I'll, ask you, I'll start with a question. You, you just said they're in the mix, so they're 3-3. Three and three. Are, they, are they in the mix? I think they are. If the, if the New England Patriots are in the mix, so are the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> It's the it is the time to to move on, and this is you know what it's people think it's unfair for Fitzmagic, and and I get it. He's been playing really well and as good as they could have expected him to play, but this it was actually a, the schedule that dictated this for the organization and the Dolphins. Like if they're going into a bye week, and then in the next six weeks they have four cream puffs in their schedule. So now was the time, and originally the bye week for the Dolphins was week eleven. I'm guessing that hearing from Chang Gailey, the offensive coordinator, and what he was saying, it seemed like that was the time they were going to make this move, and it, it was planned all along. And you know, unless they were five and one or six and zero, oh, I'm pretty sure this was the plan all along. Because if at three and three and as good as 
they couldn't have thought Fitzpatrick would have been any better than this. So I think this is the plan all along. And if you're trying to build a championship team and, and the Dolphins, regardless of, I don't care what happens over the next 10 weeks, they weren't going very unlikely to make the playoffs. They sure as heck weren't making a run. So the best thing to do, in my opinion, and I, I feel strongly about this, is to give, give two of the ball now and then allow him to – he could become a serviceable quarterback. He could become a top 15 quarterback in a year from now or a year and a half from now. And then all of a sudden you got a guy in Tua who's still in his rookie contract, and you could build around him with a young team, and you could, you could within the salary cap, build a winner. Look at the Seahawks. Look at the Chiefs. They played Russell Wilson early. They could build around him because they have to pay $25 million. They're paying Jacoby Percent $21 million right now. Phillip Rivers, $25 million right now. Tua is a $5 million cap hit. Like you could build around him, but if you wait three years to get the guy to where you need, it's going to be too late. So that's why the decision is made right now. It's a great decision by the organization. It's a great decision. It's the necessary decision yes. from the organizational standpoint. Not fair to our buddy Fitzmagic, but it, who cares about fair? You know, pull up your pull up your big boy pants and put your put your juice box down, kids. It's not uh, there's no fair in the NFL. It's clear the Miami Dolphins are prejudiced against men with beards, Davis. As a man with a beard, you should be very, very up- upset about what's going on here, but uh, I-, I guess I-, I digress. I want to ask you a question that Al's brother posed to me during the commercial break. The Dolphins, 8-1 to one to win the AFC East, plus 800, with Tua as the quarterback for this year, obviously. Do you feel better or worse about their chances to win the AFC East? Worse. No question. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean it's, I'm I'm screaming, I'm screaming, make the change, and I'm and I'm also I'm also very aware that they're not going to be better with two at quarterback. No, I mean, I don't know. I'd like to know what the odds were. You might know what were they before the quarterback change? Did they did they were they adjusted at all? No, they stayed pretty much the same, which kind of surprised yeah. me because Fitzpatrick's been really good, like yeah. statistically and like leading the charge. Um, certainly in the last two weeks. Yeah. I am very curious. I can't wait to see what Tua does. He hasn't played in almost a full calendar year coming up that pretty significant injury that he suffered um, at Alabama. So I, I, that's a game I'll be dialed in for in a couple weeks. Um, no question. Yep. Let's, let's focus on the team at the top of the AFC East, Davis. Of course, we're talking about the Buffalo Bills, who did not look great last night. I mean, there were some positives, I suppose, defensively, but that whole game was a little bit awash, the pun intended, with the rain coming down constantly in Buffalo. So let's look ahead to Week 7, where the Bills are favored by 13 points at the New York Jets. And this line open at 10.5 has been bet all the way to 13. Is there a number in which you'd be comfortable betting the Jets at any point this year, especially against a team like the Buffalo Bills? Yep. You give me 14, I'll bet them right now. Not, <laughs> wow. not, now, not now, but right now I'll bet them at 14. For sure. That number goes to 14, I will. you'll have to fight me to get to the, the wicket to put that bet in against the Bills. And I... I've been back in the Bills, and I still think the Bills have a shot. But if that number goes to 14 and you don't bet the Jets, uh, then I, you might be a sucker. That, that's, uh, and I'll tell you the reason why is that the Bills can't stop people. I still believe that they're a pretty good defense. They get Milano back, and also having the Johnson at nickel right now. If Levi, yeah. uh, if Levi Wallace gets back as well, and Milano. I don't know what Levi Wallace's situation is, but if they get him back in the lineup, he was playing good football uh, they're definitely their number two cover guy. Um, hey, they get him back, get Milano healthy, 
Yeah, that's a team that uh, can't get some stops. I don't think they're going to – they're not the build defense from last year, but they'll, they'll be good enough to get some stops. Right now, they can't stop anybody. And so, you give me two touchdowns in the NFL, I'm taking it all day. You would not. You don't, you don't. You don't like fourteen. You take the Bills at minus fourteen. Davis, the, the Jets. The Jets running back is Frank Gore. He's a hundred years old. He's a. He's a, He is. It's like having Joe Thornton as your number one centerman, which perhaps maybe that'll happen to the Leafs if some injuries arise. But it, the, the 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 idea that Frank Gore is a, is a is a is a number one running back in the NFL this year at age thirty seven blows my mind. Not to mention their quarterback is a guy who hasn't been good since. 2013, 2014, he's clearly washed. I know Sam Darnold's hurt, but I don't think I'm taking the Jets at any number right now. They are just completely dysfunctional in every aspect of the NFL, perhaps maybe a side wager between us off okay. the air. Although you have that you have that NFL money, Davis. I'm not sure I can hang with you as far as gambling goes. I would, I would say this, your opinion is is probably of the majority and I'm not going to sit here and say you're wrong, and I'm not going to I'm not going to fight that the Jets are the play. But I I will say the right play is if the Jets go to 14, the right play is certainly the Jets. And the fact that so many people this is what we have to remember about sports betting. Forget about who we think is good, and, and if we're just talking about the NFL and who we like and who we think is good, we're trying to make money here. We look at the the obvious situation of of the popular vote. This is a the contrarian better right now in me says says that if the Jets are the Jets are no one's going to play the Jets. Everyone's going to play the Bills regardless of the number unless it gets way out of hand. Like to your point, so and to me, there's value on the side of the Jets. There might even be value if it's at 13, 13 and a half. It still might be the play. If it's not moving, that tells me that that tells me the sharp, the sharp money is on the Jets, and even more reason I might play the Jets. The Jets 0-6 against the spread this year. So not only are they dismal on the field, they're also dismal if you bet on them, at least to, at least to this point. They are terrible. They're absolutely terrible, terrible but we're, ta- we're strictly talking about value, and that's, uh, that's where the value play is this week. Let's stray from the Jets and talk about quality NFL teams, and this week features the eighth-ever matchup between two 5-0 or better teams. It's the Steelers at the Titans. And I was surprised to see... The Steelers favored in this one. I've been really impressed with Tannehill, who's been unbelievable. We know what Derrick Henry does. That defense has been pretty good, too. And I know it's, it's really hard to argue against anything that the Steelers have done. That team looks very potent as well. But on the road, in a stadium with fans in Tennessee, were you surprised to see Pittsburgh as the favorite at the, tit- or at the Titans? I think Ben Roethlisberger still still carries some, some cachet and... and... Uh, the general public would le- leans to believing in in Big Ben, which which I do as well. Uh, I'm still not a believer, and I said it on on the weekend. I'm not, and it's not that I don't think that Tannehill's done a good job. I just when I look at the best quarterbacks, and when I look at the top of the NFC and the top of the AFC, and and the best teams, the the separator is is the, when I look at Tennessee, the separator is the quarterback position. I just don't I don't put him up there with Ben. I don't put Bobby obviously with in the NFC side with with uh, Rodgers or, or uh, Russell Wilson or even even well maybe Drew Brees at Drew Brees at this point but you you know my point and that's that when when you can't find a big difference between some of these teams at the top uh, the biggest the biggest difference maker is 
is the quarterback, and that's and to me, Ryan Tannehill's done an excellent job. I don't think you could have asked much more from Tannehill thus far, but I still, if I need him to to do a two minute have a two minute drive and put one together to win a game, there's you know there's ten other guys in the NFL that I would probably take before him, and that's always gonna whenever there's a close matchup when I look at. Uh, the size of the ball and, and some of the matchups, that's always going to be the difference makers for me at, at this point until he proves different. And I'm, I'm not opposed to having my opinion swayed, AK, but right now that's, that's how I feel. What's your, what's your early lean looking at, looking at that game? Yeah, I mean, I, I like Tennessee, absolutely. Yeah. I think the fans in the stands is a valuable aspect that very few teams can yeah. really employ, and, and I, I think that, that benefits them in, in many respects. The, the, in the crowds, the home field advantage has been meaningless this year considering the lack of fans, but the Titans are one of the few teams that can take advantage. And listen, it's going to be Derrick Henry against the number one run defense in the NFL, but Devin Bush, the stud linebacker for the Steelers, tore his ACL. He's gone for the year, so we'll have to see how that goes. I want to get you out of here on this, Davis. Of course, and Davis also, Sanchez. Let me say this, AK, one time. Sorry yep. to interrupt you, but just to, just to follow up on the point we made earlier about the Jets and the Bills, you're on the right side. If you're, if you're looking at Tennessee right now at, at whatever it is, plus one and a half, plus two, whatever you're getting, you're on the right side. That's, yeah. that's probably the play because if the majority of the public is going to be on Pittsburgh and are like me and not a believer in, not a believer in in Tennessee, and I, if I might, if I'm, if you put a gun and make me take make me play, make a play right now, I'll probably take Tennessee because I know I know that's the right play, but I don't know if I believe in them. But that's, you're, you're on the right side. I think. All right, thank you, Davis. I, that's what I needed from you, Davis Sanchez, the lead analyst for TSN Edge, is our guest here on the Edge on TSN 1050. I want to get you out of here on this, and the Dallas Cowboys have been just a unmitigated disaster this year they get absolutely crushed by the arizona cardinals last night and now a report from jane slater of the nfl network says that cowboys players have begun criticizing the coaching staff saying they're totally unprepared they don't teach they don't have any sense of adjusting on the fly another player added they just aren't good at their they're jobs, their jobs. <laughs> you you played in the nfl davis you played in the cfl for a long time when you hear these things coming out from obviously these are these are words that are being spoken by active members of the Dallas Cowboys. Are you more or less confident in betting on them in subsequent weeks, namely this coming week against the Washington football team, where they are currently one point favorites at Washington? Because of the vast amount of time I spent in locker rooms, and usually because I was uh, injured and, and hung around a lot getting rehab, but. I know one thing for certain. When you, when you listen to a report like that, it's not. It's coming from guys who are who have been around that team, who are vets, who are I don't want to say well respected, but they've been around. And if you've been around, you probably for the most part you're well respected, or you wouldn't stay around. Uh, Jane Slater is not going to have, and she's getting these these quotes from guys who she has contact with. And that's the first thing I thought about when I try to process this report. Like, how legit is it? But someone like her who works for NFL Network and who's been there, she's not talking to a rookie. She's not talking to a, uh, a guy like me when I was in the NFL, a, a backup guy. She's talking to guys who have been there. Those are the guys' numbers she has. Those are the contacts that she has and that would talk to her and feel comfortable enough off the record to talk to her. So to me, to answer your question, I'll be very concerned with what's happening in that room because if there's multiple players saying that, that's multiple guys who are – Vets who are who have the pulse of that room and, and are feeling this way. So 
I would be very concerned when I look at the Cowboys and, and probably, you know, that might be a, a game that you look to. I don't know if anyone could, could take the Washington football team, but if, once again, that's probably the, the side you're going to. It's not a team I look at in the Cowboys thinking, oh, my gosh, this is a team that's, good, <clears throat> that's angry and going to play well. I think the opposite at this point. All right, he is Davis Sanchez from TSN Edge, their lead analyst. He joins us every Tuesday at this time. We thank you for your time, my friend, and we look forward to chatting with you next week. And we are very much friends, you, uh, Al's brother, and everyone else. I, I, <laughs> I apologize for the comments, my man. If you saw the grin, the smile on Al's brother's face right now, it looks like you made this man's night. Thank you, Davis. Cheers, fellas. Thank you. All right, that is Davis Sanchez. What a guy. What a guy. Love Davis Sanchez. Not as much as Al's brother loves Davis Sanchez, but I am a closed second. Evan Silva, you know him from EstablishTheRun.com, one of the premier fantasy football hosts and analysts on the planet. Fortunate enough to have him joining us next on The Edge. When it comes to the expert advantage in the world of fantasy football, there is no better source than our next guest. He is Evan Silva. He's one of the founders of EstablishTheRun.com, one of the premier fantasy football sites on the Internet. You know him from years of quality work at RotoWorld.com as well. And it is my pleasure to welcome in him into the edge this evening. What is up, Evan? How are you? All right. Well, we will call. Uh, we'll call Evan back. But uh, this man has the inside info on uh, everything we need to know about the Dallas Cowboys because a, a situation which I think is really interesting with Dallas and Andy Dalton in particular was that when Dak Prescott went down last week with that ankle injury, fantasy owners were scrambling. All right, how are we going to replace Dak Prescott on your roster? This guy was the best fantasy quarterback, or one of maybe Josh Allen, perhaps Patrick Mahomes, one of the best fantasy quarterbacks, and now. He's out, and Andy Dalton is in. And is it going to be Andy Dalton as the guy we use to replace him? Is it going to be Ryan Fitzpatrick? I don't know, but uh, it's not going to be Ryan Fitzpatrick anymore because he no longer has the number one job in Miami. But as far as the future of Andy Dalton as a fantasy quarterback, Evan, I, I really hope you heard my intro, Evan, because it was one of my finest, and they are very rarely fine. What is going on, man? How's it going? I did. No, I, I did hear it. Um, thanks for having me on, Aaron. Good to talk. All right, so t- thank you. Uh, break down the Andy Dalton fantasy potential going forward because they have a cake. They have they have some cake matchups on the schedule in the NFC East, and I, I don't know if he's a legitimate option as a QB one in a ten or twelve team league. Are you still rolling with Dalton, even though he was a lot of dink and dunk last night? That's for sure. It was a lot of dink and dunk. It was a, a very very ugly performance. You could see the difference between. You know, having an athletic quarterback behind a, an offensive line that has lost both of its starting offensive tackles in Lyle Collins and Tyron Smith, and having a quarterback that doesn't have a lot of mobility, uh, moving from you know downgrading from Dak Prescott to Andy Dalton, and that really really showed up. And it was particularly scary because the Cardinals had just lost their best pass rusher Chandler Jones for the season, and I mean they're out there creating a ton of pressure on Andy Dalton without their best pass rusher. Uh, just by by scheming pressure against Dallas, and now we have reports that um, uh, Brandon uh, uh, Wright, who was pl- who was filling in for I'm sorry, Terrence Wright, who was filling in for uh, Lyle or uh, uh, Tyron Smith at left tackle, uh, is probably not going to play in Week Seven. And Zach Martin, who left the game with a concussion, uh, 
uh, he also might not play. So the Cowboys' offensive line is, in, is absolutely a problem, and that is exacerbated by having a quarterback that can't move as well as Dak Prescott. Um, at the same time, you know, Andy Dalton scored 13 fantasy points. If Michael Gallup hadn't just had that egregious drop, Michael Gallup does not yeah. drop passes. Uh, but he was wide open in the end zone. You know, that gets us to um, about 17 fantasy points last night for um, Andy Dalton. And that wouldn't have been so terrible. Um, but I, I understand the, the panic because the offense in general looked really bad. And now we have further offensive line issues. I think that you're not going to want to play him in week seven against Washington. Washington does have a lot of talent up front and can take advantage of those Cowboys offensive line weaknesses. Um, so I think you'll, you'll be looking to the waiver wire uh, entering week seven. So Tua Tungavailoa is not going to be playing in week seven because the Dolphins have right. a bye. But as far as a fantasy option as Tua, we, we know very little about what – well, I guess kind of how Miami plans to utilize him, but Fitzpatrick was excellent this year and was certainly a guy that people plugged in in lieu of Dak Prescott's injury. Do you foresee Tua being a relevant fantasy guy or perhaps somewhere in the Joe Burrow-Justin Herbert range, which I, yeah. coincidentally two of the guys were in his draft class? Well, yeah, I think that he would probably be closer to Burrow, who's been – a top 20 guy, but only has one week out of six so far where he finished inside the top 12. And then Herbert has been a consistent top 12 guy, even with upside uh, to be like, you know, the quarterback, he was the quarterback four overall in week uh, six, uh, but, or I'm sorry, week five before the Chargers had a week six bye. Now you've got the bye out of the way. Keenan Allen is expected back from his back injury. Mike Williams just is coming off a big game. Hunter Henry uh, has been excellent this year. And the Chargers are getting back two of their starting offensive linemen who missed the previous two games, and Trey Turner and Brian Bulaga, their starting right guard and right tackle. Um, Justin Herbert would be an excellent guy to pick up off of waivers if wherever he is available. Uh, because he, And he's also a guy that can run and add fantasy points in that aspect. And those dual-threat quarterbacks have really more upside than any of the pocket passers these days. A big story here north of the border, of course, has been the performance of Chase Claypool of the Steelers. He's mm-hmm. been unreal. Six touchdowns. We're very proud of Chase coming out of Notre Dame. But it sounds like Deontay Johnson is going to be back for the Steelers this week. Would you consider Chase Claypool to be a sell-high candidate, or is this is a guy you want to keep around your team for the rest of the season? Yeah, so I'm I'm with all the Canadians on Chase Claypool because I'm a Notre Dame fan and I, my dad went there and I grew up, you know, wearing, um, uh, you know, rooting for the Fighting Irish. Uh, so and it's okay. been great to see. I feel like there's a butt coming here. <laughs> no, 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 no. There's not a butt coming. Okay. Um, okay. Go continue, I think, please. I think Chase Claypool is going to be their alpha receiver the rest of the way. I, I thought it was kind of weird and strange. A lot of people wanted to convert Chase Claypool to tight end coming out of Notre Dame, I'm not sure that they watched him play at Notre Dame because he was a perimeter receiver at Notre Dame. That's how he won. And when he went to the combine, he was a 99th percentile athlete. I mean, he's like on like Megatron, Calvin Johnson's. He's in that range from an athletic standpoint. And we've seen so far with his opportunities what he's able to do. Uh, they've even been like scheming up rushing attempts for him near the goal line, which is something you never, you rarely see 
from a wide receiver, but they, the Steelers are very aware, keen on his athleticism. Now with Deontay Johnson coming back, that throws into question his playing time, and he may go back from a guy who has been playing 75%, 85% of the, 85% of the snaps over the last two, three weeks to a guy that maybe only plays around 55%, and they, they go with like a four-receiver rotation of Juju Smith-Schuster, Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, and James Washington, but still – when he's on the field, he is going to be targeted. And, and, and we have seen that in there. They're manufacturing touches for him uh, around the goal line. So I, I think that Chase Claypool is actually – he's going to be the Steelers' number one receiver the rest of the way. I think he's going to leave them in – or lead them in, uh, in air yards and uh, receiving the rest of the way. I, I would still have a high amount of confidence in him. And this week against the Titans, who have been just hemorrhaging points – to opposing offenses, I would feel very confident in Chase Claypool, even if he takes a little step back in terms of his playing time. He is Evan Silva, one of the founders of EstablishTheRun.com. Evan, we'll get you out of here on this one. Probably the biggest news from the last week in the NFL has been the Chiefs signing of Le'Veon Bell, and a lot of people are uncertain exactly what his role will be going forward, especially after the Chiefs uh, moved up and got Clyde Edwards a lair in the draft. And CEH was awesome last night, 6.2 yards a carry on 26 rushes, probably his best game of the year. Now Le'Veon comes in next week. How do you see the fantasy value shaking out for CEH and for Le'Veon going forward? Well, although uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has had some games now where he's been like in the 20-plus uh, touches range, and he had 30 touches this past week, um, you know, they still have been – using Daryl Williams and Darwin Thompson sporadically about seven, eight touches a game. And um, I think that Le'Veon Bell just takes over for those guys, makes those guys irrelevant, maybe brings Clyde Edwards-Hilaire down to a, a range where he's not going to see 25 touches, you know, in a given game anymore. Uh, but, you know, that, that also could uh, lend itself to Clyde Edwards staying healthy over the course of the year, even if he sees a downtick in touches. Um, I think that Le'Veon Bell individually could get to a point where, in such a great offense, he is a flex option, maybe a low-end RB2. Uh, but I, I still have a lot of confidence in Clyde Edwards-Hilaire being a fringe RB1 slash 2. And um, I mean, just because this team is going to score so many points uh, with Patrick Mahomes at quarterback and Tyree Kill and, and Travis Kelsey and you know, they, they've got a, a really strong backfield now, much stronger than when they begin. They began the season. Darwin Thompson and Daryl Williams are like fringe NFL players. Le'Veon Bell is clearly an NFL caliber player. Uh, but I don't think that Le'Veon Bell is like going to overtake Clyde Edwards-Hilaire or anything like that. I think they're committed to him. Patrick Mahomes loves him. Patrick Mahomes actually went out of his way to lobby for the Chiefs to draft Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He, had a, he played a big role in that. And so I don't think they're going away from him as their lead back anytime soon. He is Evan Silva. You can follow him on Twitter at Evan Silva. And make sure to check out the great content he and his team do at EstablishTheRun.com. Evan, thank you very much for taking the time this evening, my man. And keep up the great work. Thanks, Aaron. Let's, let's do it again.
All right, that is Evan Silva. I'd love to, love to do it. I hit this guy. This guy is uh, Evan Silva's Twitter profile is the first thing I go to on Sunday mornings when I'm uh, making my decisions, my final lineup decisions, and making some of my player prop wagers each and every Sunday because he and his team do a terrific job in that regard. Uh, we're going to wrap up today's program with a look at Game One of the World Series and a look at the return of Tiger Woods at the Zozo Championship. I am Aaron Korolnik, and you're listening to The Edge here on TSN 1050. You're listening to The Edge with Aaron Karolnik, giving you the expert advantage in the world of gambling and fantasy. Tired of dull predictions? What, 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 can, I, what can I say? Let me explain this to you. Time to sharpen your edge. No dull predictions here on The Edge, live on TSN 1050, streaming online, tsn1050.ca. I am Aaron Karolnik, Al's brother, doing a fantastic job, as always, behind the glass this evening and this morning on First Up. The gentleman, Michael Landsberg, Carlo Koliakova, were joined by ESPN MLB insider Buster Olney. And, of course, Game 1 of the World Series was the central topic of conversation. It is Clayton Kershaw against Tyler Glasnow. And Tyler Glasnow has been a stud for the Tampa Bay Rays all year, a strikeout machine. He's going up against a living legend tonight in Clayton Kershaw. Maybe living legend might not necessarily be appropriate for Kershaw considering his propensity to struggle in the playoffs, most notably in the World Series where he has the fifth worst ERA of any pitcher in history who has thrown 15 innings or more. And considering how amazing Kershaw has been, I struggle to comprehend how that's even possible. But this morning, Buster only addressed Tyler Glasnow's ability and what we can expect from him in addition to Kershaw. The biggest thing for him tonight is just to control the adrenaline. You know, we saw Lance McCullers in Game 7 of the Astros, even with his experience, was struggling with that. Um, With Kershaw, it's going to be about, um, you know, to me, being unpredictable. One of the reasons why I think he struggled in the postseason is, and Clayton is as hard a competitor as you'll ever meet, but his reflex in big spots is to pound the hitter inside, throw fastballs inside. With advanced scouting and preparation the postseason, there have been a lot of situations where the opposing hitters are like, you know what, I know what he's going to do. You know, there are two runners on base, what's he going to do? He's going to throw in is that cutter inside, he's going to throw that fastball inside, so I'm going to open up my front hip and I'm going to anticipate I'm going to kill it. That, to me, is a big thing to watch for with Clayton tonight, pitching to both sides of the plate. The L.A. Dodgers minus 165 tonight and minus 175 to win the series as a whole. And the very fascinating part about this series is the incredible discrepancy in salary between these two teams. The Dodgers payroll is a pittance compared to what the L.A. Dodgers put out there on the field, but that has not affected their performance on the field, considering both teams have the best records in the American and National League, respectively. One other piece of sound I'd like to get to is from Steve Phillips, who addressed how the odds makers are looking at this series and perhaps making it a little bit too favorable for the L.A. Dodgers. 
It's a really interesting position the odds makers have placed on this. And, you know, you look at the Dodgers and, the, you know, the, the dominant season, the best record in all of baseball, 43-17. and 17. They didn't miss a beat. Kiki Hernandez talked about the fact they never really were threatened all season long. They didn't face adversity all season long. And then they did in the postseason. And they rose to the occasion. They got themselves to a World Series. They have dominant offense. They led all of baseball in home runs. There's a run-scoring team that can score in a lot of different ways with power and speed. They have outstanding pitching as well to be able to match the hitting but the Tampa Bay Rays are pretty darn good now they mix and match they do it a little bit differently but there's a baseball axiom that says great pitching can shut down great hitting and the Rays have better pitching than the Dodgers this is a much closer series than the odds makers say I will tell you I think the Dodgers win the series but the Tampa Bay Rays are absolutely the better bet Series, the first pitch just after 8-11, so about 20 minutes from now you could see Game 1 of the World Series. Before we go, I'd like to address the Zozo Championship, and if you are thinking the Zozo Championship, didn't Tiger Woods win that tournament last year? Yes, he did, and it's a very strange turn of events because Tiger Woods will be the defending champion this week at the Zozo, and in the next tournament he plays at the Masters in Augusta in November. Now, Tiger just 33-1. to I can't imagine he's overly likely to win considering how little he's played, but he's got a lot of history at this golf course, a lot of positive history where it was the host of the Hero World Challenge for many, many years, and Tiger Woods won it many, many times. And looking forward to the Masters, a sporting event which we will address extensively on the edge over the next three weeks or so leading up to the tournament, Tiger 25-1 to to win the Masters. And the favorite to win the Masters currently at this point is Bryson DeChambeau at 8-1. to Not surprising, considering how dominant he's been of late. And the 48-inch driver he's planning to deploy at Augusta to make those par fives reachable in two. My name is Aaron Karolnik. It's been an absolute pleasure tonight to bring you all of our terrific content from our guest, Davis Sanchez, who joined us with his Week 7 Early Leans, Evan Silva from EstablishTheRun.com, but most importantly, my man, Al's brother, another terrific performance behind the glass and on the mic. So on behalf of him, he is flexing in our Zoom chat, and man, that man is muscular. Look out, Darren Detition. On behalf of Al's brother, I am Aaron Karolnik. You've been listening to The Edge here on TSN 1050 in Toronto.